Welcome to Sex Tech Talk, where we talk about sex, technology, and the ever-growing sex tech industry. I'm your host, Michelle, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. So today, I have an interview with Sandra from the femtech company LV. During today's episode, we talk about her position as a data scientist at LV. We talk about the LV company and their products. And then we also have a discussion about the femtech and sex tech industries. So this is actually a replay, kind of. So I did a LinkedIn interview with Sandra last week and I didn't realize that it didn't record. So we did a whole nother interview today. So we talked about a lot of the same topics and something new. So if you were able to listen to the live interview, we cover a lot of the same things, but we also talk about a couple of different things. So specifically, I go on a little bit of a rant about healthcare in the USA, but I try to keep it to a minimum because you know I could rant about that forever. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Go ahead and let's get started. I am interviewing Sandra and she is a data scientist at LV. So we have done an interview before on LinkedIn, but it did not record. So now we're doing an interview for the podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Sandra, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at LV. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, happy to be on a um, on a podcast. Uh, so as you mentioned, I'm a data scientist. So uh, at LV, I work within the product group. So the task of the data team is to basically provide insights that can inspire the future products uh, and future, you know, um, kind of features and improvements to our existing products. Uh, but we also look into our user base and the user behavior and, you know, just trying to find uh, a way of maybe helping them out with with using the products and making their life easier um, and stuff like that. So yeah, so we're data scientists, but we're based within product uh, because I know that some companies, they have data science team more for like a business purposes when they would, for example, be like a, a BI analysts or, or look into like some sales uh, predictions and stuff like that. But we're actually do interact with the product. That's cool. So your job is more product and customer focused. Yes, exactly. And also there's a limit of research, which I, which I really love, because, uh, you know, since there's like a very big um, gender data gap in in, in, in in healthcare, there's some things that we have to find out on our own. So we would uh, do some like small research uh, and we also uh, very, we're very thorough with um with researching and trialing our products because they're very innovative, they're very new. So, you know, um, sometimes there hasn't been any other product like this. So we need to make sure that we trial it properly and people actually like it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And tell me, so for anybody who doesn't know the products at LV, what does LV make? Uh, so LV started in 2013, I think, and the first product uh, was a, a pelvic floor trainer with a biofeedback. So basically it's a, a small device that you insert inside your vagina. It has like this Bluetooth um, connector that it kind of like talks to your phone. You download an app and it tells you what kind of exercises you should do uh, to strengthen your pelvic floor muscle. Uh, so it's all gamified. Uh, so basically you need to, for example, squeeze or, or stuff like that. And you can see the movement of your muscles on your phone. 
so that's why the biofeedback is very valuable because you know you're doing it right and uh, your, your app, the app, the phone will tell you if you do it right or if you don't do it right. So it's very easy to do it properly because, you know, like Kegel exercises, like pelvic floor exercises, they've been um, known for quite a long time, but it's easy to get it wrong. Uh, so mm -hmm. the biofeedback, yeah. it actually um, gives you a higher chance of, of doing the exercise properly. Yeah, I think that is just so cool. Yeah, because it's easy to get it wrong and it's boring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. The first couple, you're just like, oh, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, you know, gamifying it a little bit, I think it's, uh, you know, it's fun and maybe keeps you more motivated to continue. Yes, 100%. And I didn't even think about doing it the wrong way, you know, but I think you do need some direction, you know, on how to do the pelvic floor exercises. So I think that's a cool aspect as well. Yeah, 100%. It's like, you know, when you exercise um, at the gym, right, like you can do mm -hmm. exercise wrong and you have a trainer to kind of tell you how to do it properly to not to hurt yourself and also to uh, make the exercise as effective as possible. Yes, totally. 100%. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then they also, LV also makes a breast pump. Yes, so that's the second product. So I think they released a LV pump in 2016. So it was a silent, wearable, wireless pump. Uh, so it's a hospital grade pump. Uh, so basically it um, it's as good as the one uh, that are, you know, like the typical conventional electric pumps that you plug into the wall, uh, but it's wireless. So you can just pop it into your bra and just go go about your day. You're not stuck at the wall. Uh, you're not wasting time. You can just do whatever you want. You can go back to work, you can, uh, you know, do whatever you want to do and no one knows you're pumping. Uh, so that's very helpful, especially for women who had to go back to work very soon after giving birth uh, because, you know, they don't, they still, they still can provide a valuable breast milk for their infants um, instead of, you know, um, maybe just missing work or, or going on formula or, you know, they, they can do whatever they think is right uh, with less effort. Yes. And I think that is so cool. Like I did, I wasn't like a full-time pumper when my second daughter was born. Um, but I did a little bit of pumping just so for when we went out and did things and she went to a babysitter and you know, and I remember just like sitting in my bedroom, like alone, just like spending all this time pumping. And, and I was mm. like, there's so many other things I could have been doing, you know, but it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, and I can only imagine how hard it is for women who have to go back to work, you know, to just spend all that time just like plugged into the wall pumping when you're you could be doing other things, you know, we're busy exactly. people, <laughs> we have stuff to do. So yeah. I, I love that concept that it's like a hospital grade pump and it's like, you can just wear it under, wear it like within your bra and just move on with your life and you're still able to provide breast milk. I think that's just such a cool concept. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, we kind of like got very good feedback and response and uh, it definitely uh, makes life easier for, for many, many, uh, you know, feeding uh, breast or chest feeding people out there um, and uh, so then so that was LV pump and then we also have LV stride which is kind of like an and uh, like a slightly different uh, take on the pump like kind of like a different model but it basically does the same um, and then there are also a couple of other products we have LV catch uh, which is just this little silicone thing you can wear uh, around your nipple to catch your milk oh. uh, and there's also LV curve which is kind of like a, a manual breast pump so uh it has like the silicon um, front and you just like press it and then the, the pressure kind of um, triggers the letdown. 
Wow. That's cool too, because I know some people do prefer like a manual pump, you know, maybe they're not pumping like full time or, you know, they just, you know, need to pump a little bit and they like the manual. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, and it's also, you know, you can put it to your bra. So they're also like as invisible as possible. Yeah. I love that. That's so awesome. If I ever have another baby, <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. keeping this in mind. <laughs> All right. So tell me a little bit about um, how you got your job at LV and how you got into the femtech, sex tech industry. Um, yeah, so I've always been a feminist. So I've always been very much interested in uh, women's health and different inequalities uh, within that sector. Uh, I was reading lots of books about feminism and one of those books uh, were Invisible Women. Uh, and there's one chapter about Clue and I think Elvie as well and uh, about femtech in general. And that was the first time I learned about the whole sector. And I was like, wow, this is like like my, my dream place and uh, <laughs> something just clicked uh, in, in my brain. And, and I knew this is the direction I want to follow. Uh, however, I also was very aware that, you know, this is still a bit of a niche and uh, I may not be fortunate enough to actually work for, for these companies. Uh, so it was still at the time when I uh, was working at academia because I did a transition from academia to tech. Uh, I used to uh, work as a research assistant in neuroscience. I also studied neuroscience and psychology, so I don't have any like technical computer science background. Mm -hmm. uh, and at some point in my career, I, I had to make a choice if I do a PhD and stay in academia or if I just change it completely. So I decided to to to, to make a change um, and tra transitioning to data science, which is kind of similar to research because you also interact with data, you use the scientific method, you just use different tools uh, instead of, um, you know, for example, MATLAB, you use programming languages like Python. Um, and uh, I was self-taught data scientist. I am self-taught data scientist, sorry. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I think, around three months of my job search for my first the scientist job. And I've seen that on LinkedIn that LV is recruiting and they're actually looking for data scientists. So uh, I wrote them, I think, a very desperate cover letter. Um, and, and <laughs> I've been there. You know... I've done that for companies <laughs> before. It's like your dream company. And you're like, oh my gosh, please hire me. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and I, I got a job. So uh, yeah, I was very fortunate uh, that actually at the same time as I was looking for a job, LV was, was looking for people. So um, yeah, just a little bit of luck, um, but definitely that's something I wanted to do anyway. Yeah, I think that is so cool. And then when we talked last time, you had told me you almost didn't apply for the job because you didn't, you weren't sure if you met all the qualifications. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So again, I was just a beginner, so I'm like, you know, maybe the technical skills are not all there. And uh, uh, but but I gave it a try. There's this statistic I always try to remember about that. Apparently, uh, if 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 a man um, thinks that he kind of fulfills fifty percent of requirements uh, on a job offer, he would apply. And for a woman, it's usually eighty percent, and then mm -hmm. she applies. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I have to remember about that, and I'm just gonna send send the CV. And then when I uh, was getting my offer, they did mention that. They know that you know um, I'm still a beginner, and they're happy to provide the technical, um, the technical uh, skills. They they can help me out with with learning. Uh, however, you know they like my enthusiasm and they like my interest in the field, and that's something that you know you cannot learn. Um, so yeah, so just like little advice for anyone who wants to get into the field and maybe they think they're not qualified enough, uh, just give it a go because you know very often the technical skills um, the company are happy to help you out with. But your passion and, and your interest, that's something that they really, really value. 
Yeah. And I love that. I think that is such good advice because maybe you are on LinkedIn and you see that your dream company is hiring for a position and you're not a hundred percent sure, you know, like, okay, maybe it is something kind of new, like the data scientist position. And you're like, okay, well, I know how to do this, 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 I meet a lot of the qualifications, but I'm still not sure about this. Should I apply? Should I not apply? And I always remember that statistic as well, you know, that like men are more willing to just go for it, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we should be like that too. Just go for it, you know, like, you know, exactly. and if they don't want us, they'll reject us, <laughs> you know, like, let's, but if you don't put yourself out there, you don't know if you could possibly end up with a job at your dream company. Exactly. It's almost even uh, up, up to them, right? You can just kind of show them what you've got. You can show them your CV and your and your skills, and it's kind of up to them if, they, if they're going to hire you or not. So yeah, it's always worth trying. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. You know, like you can learn skills, like, you know, like that's kind of how I think of myself. Like I can learn how to do almost anything, you know, but the passion for something you can't teach somebody. Like if they have to be passionate about the industry, the product, the company, you know, whatever it is, you know, if they already have that, then you've got yourself a really good employee because they already love what you're doing. And I think that's something really special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. So tell me, I know you told me about two companies last time we talked. So two companies in the sex tech or femtech industries that inspire you. Um, yeah, so I think I uh, last time I also mentioned Barista. So mm -hmm. it's a very cool, uh, very new company. I think that they're just starting. But uh, it's it feels quite personal for me because it's about bra fitting. And I've always had a bit of an issue with like fitting the bra. And I felt very uncomfortable going and, you know, going to mm -hmm. a fitting room and doing it like there um in that super unflattering light and and, and mirrors um and this is an app that you basically take few pictures uh, like you do some poses and the magic of machine learning gives you your bra size so that's super cool um and then another cool uh startup that i've heard of is dama uh which they do a um they kind of do a customized uh, contraceptive um choices for for women so mm -hmm. uh their their scientists found that there is a cer certain genetic predispositions for um different types of uh, contraceptive pills and they kind of help you match with the right one because apparently um sometimes uh if if you don't have the the, the right one that's kind of fitting your body and your predispositions uh you are entire risk of maybe getting pregnant if you don't want to do it mm -hmm. so um they kind of help you out to choose the best one but yeah there's like so many different companies that it's um it's it's amazing that the business is really kind of overflowing with new opportunities and new avenues it is and every time i hear about a new company i'm just like excited about the creativity and i'm like oh i'm like that makes so much sense you know like <clears throat> with Rarista, like I was thinking about, you know, when I was younger, my family, we always said we were, quote, blessed with large breasts. <laughs> like, <laughs> so from a very young age, I always had large breasts. And so mm -hmm. it made it hard to do like bra fittings and stuff. Like when you're a young person and you're just like kind of uncomfortable in your body already and your boobs are so much bigger than everybody else's. And my sister had the same problem. And, you know, she would have to go to like a specialty store. I remember mm -hmm. my mom would have to drive her like almost 45 minutes away to go to like a specialty store to find a bra that fit, you know? And it's just like, you know, oh, wow. especially if she was going to like a dance or something and needed like a wire or a strapless bra, you know, or something, 
you know, and it's hard. And for a long time, I wore bras that just didn't fit right, you know, like, mm-hmm. because I didn't know what size I should be. And I didn't want to go to a bra fitting. I just never felt comfortable with that. So yeah, I think definitely, yeah, that's such cool technology, you know, and like anybody who, you know, like when you mentioned it the first time I was thinking of somebody maybe who has an experience with like sexual assault, who doesn't want to be touched or like seen, you know, like, or is just uncomfortable in that space. Like this is such a good product for, you know, somebody like that, or maybe somebody going through a gender transition, you yeah. know, it's just, there could be so many useful, you know, applications for this. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, as you said, like it's uh, it's it's good for maybe trans people who would uh, have you know like a dysmorphia going and trying to help, get a help from a professional fitter. And also, you know, it saves money. As you know, you've mentioned like this driving to to the profit yeah. Like I'm sure it, it it took it took time. And uh, yeah, so that's that's something you can do at home. Uh, so yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then also with the birth control, like you're, it's always like a guessing game, you know, like, I feel like a lot of doctors, you know, I mean, especially like in the US, like they just, you know, it's a guessing game on birth control. They usually just give you what they have samples of in their office. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, good luck, like, hope this works for you. (laughs) Like, and then you just like, you come back, like, they're like, come back in six months and let me know, like, (laughs) if anything's wrong. (laughs) Like, okay. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's uh, definitely. And also, um, from my own experience, like, I know that there's certain pills that would like, um, give me, you know, uh, low mood, uh, low libido. Mm -hmm and just basically you know make me put on weight and then there's some pills that I'm totally fine on so like there's definitely I think that many women when went through kind of not notice the fact that different pills um kind of works differently on, on you and your body so that's cool that someone's actually looking into it and is willing to kind of customize it a little bit more than just you know oh there you are this is what I have in my drawer right now so off you go <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> off you go <laughs> exactly it's like somebody is looking into you know how to make this like customized and easier. And I love that. Like, you know, it's customized for you and your body and then it's easy. You know, you don't even have to like travel around and, oh, hold on one second, Sandra. What baby? No worries. You're hungry. Okay. I'll get you a snack in just a minute. Okay. Yay. All right. Okay. So I remember we were talking to, you mentioned a company named Eli that did um, like hormone testing with saliva. Oh, it's uh, Ina, I think. So it's I-N-A-E. I, okay. Okay. Let me write that down because I think last time I couldn't remember the name and I ended up doing like a Google search. Okay. Tell me again. It's I-N. I-N. Actually, I think, sorry. I double N E. Sorry, okay. I'm gonna send cool. you a a website. Where is it with one and sorry. No, that's okay. Okay, I see it. The cycle and ovulation tracker. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, because last time I got it wrong because I remembered the concept, but I couldn't remember the name. And as you know, we didn't have it recorded. And I was like, I think it was this. And <laughs> but yeah, so it you can measure your hormones at home with saliva testing. Yes, exactly. So there's like this tiny strip you put into your mouth and then you put into this device, I think they called mini lab, which looks I think very similar to um, Earbats case, and it uh, measures. It kind of gives you the result of your hormone levels um, on your app, in in on a phone. Like how cool is that? 
Um, so yeah, so I think that right now it's used for fertility, but I imagine that there's so many other um, uses of it. Uh, maybe, you know, some uh, non-hormonal contraception in the future, who knows, but yeah. right now I think it's used for fertility. Yeah, that is so cool. And I can just imagine how beneficial that would be for, I mean, so many people, like if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, instead of having to go to a lab or a doctor's office, like you could just do these tests at home, you know, and then even for somebody going through menopause, you know, they want to see what their hormone levels are, you know, and like, I always play the guessing game, like when I have a really bad migraine, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, is this because of something I did? Like, or is it my hormones? (laughs) Or like, what's happening? Like, do I need caffeine? Like, what is it? So I mean, just for something as basic as that, that could be really helpful. Exactly. And also people going through PCOS or um, yeah. or other other stuff, because sometimes they're not ovulating and they have like a bit of a hormonal imbalance. So it can really kind of, you know, uh, you, can, you can track it and maybe you can try, you can try some treatment and see if it actually works. Uh, so yeah, I think that's very exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. I like that a lot. All right. So going back to talking about like the sex tech and femtech industries, like what kind of jobs do you see? Like if somebody's really interested in these industries what kind of jobs do you think will be available within like the next few years I think that there's many opportunities so definitely the tech side uh, so I think there's huge potential there but then also anything from like you know HR or content creators there's like so many like all, all of the roles like in regular companies um, you can find also in femtech companies so mm-hmm. I think that there's plenty of opportunities and I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, joining some networking group. There's few out there that are great. They also have their own job boards uh, with femtech companies advertising. I think that uh, femtech insider, they have like a job board there. and uh, and just you know go to networking events and you can even talk directly to founders because people are very approachable in femtech. There's uh, lots of very small companies, so you can uh, you know get an access to to a founder to a CEO and just you know tell them how passionate you are. And uh, who knows, maybe maybe they will have a a spot for you. So I think there's like so many opportunities. Like definitely, there's I know that lots of people are worried that maybe they're not very technical they will not find jobs uh, within femtech because uh, there's lots of like technology going on but you know there's also like more of the soft skill jobs as well that are also needed yeah uh, in the femtech companies yeah and i think that's such a good point because people hear the tech part and they're like oh well i am not i'm not like a technical person or i'm not like you know, they think about traditional tech roles and IT and programming and software. And they're like, oh, wait, that's not me. But there's so many other jobs, just like you said, in any other traditional company, you know, there's going to be a lot available. So if somebody's interested in this industry, there's going to be a lot coming up no matter what you do. Yeah, exactly. You know, the companies are also looking for consultants, for example. Um, I know that LV worked with a physiotherapist a few times just because of the, you know, pelvic floor. Um uh, tr- tr- trainer product so you know there's also stuff like that so maybe if you're a scientist or or you know um, yeah stuff like that I'm sure that the femtech companies appreciate your input as well yeah definitely I agree all right so what do you think are some benefits of this growing industry so femtech's growing sex tech is growing like what do you think are some of the benefits for people that these industries are continually getting bigger and bigger 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many. So I think that, first of all, just because um, of the hype for femtech right now, I think that lots of um, staff get uh, lots of PR and, and there's like noise around it. So I think that some of the women health issues, they're actually being talked about finally for, for the... For yes. The <laughs> popularity of femtech companies. Uh, it's definitely a great equalizer, I think, because, you know, not always you can afford a certain treatment or a certain test, but maybe there's a femtech company that can provide it to you for like a similar or even a smaller price. Uh, so I think that's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just wish that maybe, you know, the products would be more affordable because I think that mm -hmm. lots of them, they're pretty luxurious still, but I think that it's getting there and, you know, the more popular it's going to be, the more women will actually decide to, you know, maybe use, um, companies to, to kind of get the, their health in their own hands. I think there's going to be more, more products appearing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that was one thing I thought about with LV was like the accessibility to people because, Traditionally, especially in the USA, <clears throat> pelvic floor therapy is something you don't get unless you're wealthy, like unless you're rich or you have like really good health insurance, like it's just not something your average person has benefits for. And even if by chance your insurance covers it, you're still going to pay out of pocket for that visit. You're still going to mm -hmm. pay 30 to $50 every time you go. And if somebody says, oh, do this twice a week, you know, and so that's a lot of money. And like your average person in the USA cannot afford to do that. And yeah. that's where I was like, okay, with this technology from LV, you know, it is a little pricey because what is it? The pelvic trainer is like $300 or $200. Um, Let me double check. And I should know that. I think it's a little bit less actually. Um, yeah. Let me trainer. go back to the site. I've been um, looking at so many products. I have so many. <laughs> well, so this one, for example, at John Lewis in the UK, it's £169. So wow, I think it's around okay. $180. And then yeah. they sometimes there are discounts and stuff like that on our website. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm looking now at the website that I'm connected to and it's $149. US dollars. Mm. So yeah, that's that's incredible. That's way less than I actually thought it was. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's really great. And like, I see here, they do um, like on this website I'm on now, I'm on LV.com and they do mm. like the pay as low as $25 a month. So you can pre-qualify for some of these payment plan options too, which is really yeah. nice, you know, because, you know, if you're just an average person, you may not have that kind of money saved up, you know, so you might need to do a payment plan or, you know, but if you think about it, like if you're paying like 30 to $50 a session, you know, and yeah. you can't afford that, you know, maybe you could only go to like three sessions for physical therapy, but you mm -hmm. could purchase this device at home and use it all the time. So it's just yeah. like, it's way more accessible for women than, you know, you're like, I'm not knocking pelvic floor therapy. I think you should definitely do that if you can, but for people who can't afford to do it, like this, it's is better than nothing. Absolutely. It's such a great option. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, uh, you can use it multiple times, as you said, maybe uh, after childbirth, maybe you have a few kids or maybe when you get older. So, yeah, so it's, you know, um, it, it isn't, I mean, it's not like, you know, a, 20 bucks but but it's also kind of uh, affordable hopefully for for people who who need it and um yeah i think that it's uh, definitely more accessible than some of this um therapies you've mentioned
Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's just something I love about femtech. It's just like bringing devices that maybe you'd only see in a medical setting, you know, to your everyday people. And that's just, it empowers women to be able to take control of their health and not rely on, you know, medical settings, medical institutions to provide services for them all the time. Yeah. Cause you know, they're, they're also biased and sometimes like there's a um... You know, I've heard many times, I've heard many times how women uh, would be just dismissed, uh, you know, very often. So at least with, with this product, they can just go and kind of really check tab with, with them. For example, there's this uh, startup called Hertility and they do uh, fertility tests, but they also test for PCOS and endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And I currently, like, I really struggle to get a PCOS diagnosis from NHS. Uh, mm -hmm. So, like, they're just very, very awful with um, as, as great as NHS is, like, it's just very tricky to uh, to, to set the appointment and just get, get the right tests and stuff like that. So, uh, I probably will end up going on the website and just getting a test. It's like, I think around like 100 quid, but it's you know, but I'm going to have it and it's going to be done now and I don't have to wait um, X amount of weeks to, to, to have it done by, 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 the, by the public health provider. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially for somebody, you know, like healthcare in the United States is kind of crazy. <laughs> and so like people, yeah. you know, like it's, you know, not really affordable, even if you do have insurance, like it's just, you still end up with really large bills and, you know, so I could see like something like this, you know, being really accessible for your average person, you know, like, you know, it would be so much easier just to get a test done, pay a hundred dollars. And that's the end of it. You know, you don't have to go to multiple visits because the thing about healthcare in the U S is like, usually you go to visit your doctor and then mm -hmm. they send you to a separate lab. So then you have to travel to the lab, wherever that is, like you might get lucky and the lab is in the building somewhere, but usually you have to go to a whole separate building and then you get another bill from the lab. <laughs> so oh, it's wow. just, it's a whole situation. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of this the hard way because you think I won't go off on a tangent on insurance in the USA too much because I could talk forever on it. But like, <laughs> you know, you think like, oh, good, I have insurance. Like now, like my health care is covered. And then you go to the doctor and then you end up with a bill for like, you know, a thousand dollars. And you're like, wait a second, I already pay five hundred dollars a month for health insurance. Like, why am I getting wow. billed like this huge, you know, but then you end up with all these small bills, too. So like you get the doctor's bill, the lab bill, any kind of equipment, like medical tests they did, if they did like an ultrasound or, you know, you end up with all these really small bills that mm -hmm. add up for every different service. And it's just like, whoa, it's a lot. Oh, yeah. So, and it's also if you're lucky to actually even have insurance, right? Right. Uh, that's uh so nice. yeah, if you don't have health insurance, because there's been times in my life when I didn't have health insurance, my husband like went through a job yeah. transition once and your only option for care is to show up at, at a hospital at an emergency room. Like you can't, you know, you might be able to get into a clinic, but you'd probably have to travel to like the downtown city part of, you know, where we lived. And you might be able to get in within a few weeks or something. But if like you had a health problem that you needed to be seen within like a couple days or, you know, like a day or two, you just have to show up at the emergency room. And that's always an awkward experience because in the U.S., the emergency rooms are for emergencies. Like you broke your leg or you're having a heart attack, like yeah. you've been in an accident, you know, so to show up there because you have like an average medical problem is kind of awkward and uncomfortable, but it's your only option.
you know, so it's like, mm. it's a mess. <laughs> so there's, yeah. I'll end my tangent there because like, I can go <laughs> on forever. Like I'm, I'm in Mexico right now. I'm in Playa del Carmen and I've seen the differences in healthcare here in this area of Mexico. And I'm always astonished because like my husband had um, a gout flare up or kidney stones and we're able mm. to call a doctor to come to our house for a home oh. visit. Yes. For $30. Oh, <laughs> and I'm wow. like, and you know, he's an excellent doctor and he'll just come over and do the quick visit and, and then go. And it's just a really easy thing. And you can get your medications, like any average, like prescription medicine, you can just get at the pharmacy. You can have it delivered to your home. You know, the only exception is like, um, like high, like high controlled substances, you know, like, mm. um, oxy or like, Oh, you know, like a really yeah. like intense pain medicine, but like your average pain medicines or like your psychiatric medications, all of that you can get over the counter. So it's like, it's just a whole different concept for me, but that's one of the things I love about being in this part of Mexico. It's just very accessible, you know, yeah. it's very easy or if you need antibiotics, you can just show up at the pharmacy and tell the pharmacist like what's going on and they'll, they'll give you antibiotics on the spot. You don't have to go to a different doctor to get an antibiotic prescription. Like you can just talk with the pharmacist. So it's it's cool. It's like a whole different concept for me and I really like it. Yeah, definitely more more convenient than than the states. Well, so <laughs> yes. yeah, definitely after hearing what you just told me, uh like definitely this kind of companies are um yeah, like make makes everything much easier. It does. It makes it so much easier, you know, and accessible to people. So I'm looking forward to see what's going to come up within the industry over the next couple of years, like, you know, and see like, what, what will they think of next? Like what's going to be the next thing that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I hope that we start to get more funding for the femtech and sex tech companies, you know, because it's very censored, very taboo, you know, and it shouldn't be. So I hope more people begin to invest in these companies. Yeah, hopefully. I think that Europe is actually not that bad. I've heard that in the US it's extremely difficult to, to get a funding. I think that Europe is actually doing a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah, it's still like there's lots of stories I've heard from from founders or people who are trying to uh to 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 get an investment that, you know, different looks or like uh, basically being like, oh, is this really a problem? Like just being slightly dismissed. Uh, yeah. So, so there's still a lot, a lot for improvement. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's slowly, slowly happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of the people I've met have been based in Europe. Um, a lot of people in the UK or Australia, you know, I actually have not met a lot of people in the industry based in the US yet. So, I mean, I'm just getting into it. So I'm sure I'll meet more people, but I was surprised overwhelmingly it's most of the founders and people I've talked to have been based in Europe. Yeah. I think that London is a bit, a bit of a hub, but it's so weird because, you know, states being all like capitalistic or, you know, yes, <laughs> like you so focused certain... on like companies and uh, and businesses and stuff like that. So you would think that it would be uh, like like a huge like hub there as well. But I, I think I think there is like there is like, quite a few companies. But uh, yeah, I think that London is like one of one of the biggest hubs in, in Europe. Yeah. Like you think the U.S. would hear like ka-ching, ka-ching, like money's exactly. coming. Exactly. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because it is uh, based. Uh, how much was it? Like fifty billion until oh two thousand twenty-five. Yeah. The femtech cent. So there is definitely money there. So I don't really know why why states <laughs> they're falling <laughs> a little bit behind Europe in in this topic. Yeah, I know. I think you know. I think the issue we have in the states is as much as we love money, we love being like conservative and moralistic mm. just as much. You know, so like you have this conflict, you know, between money making and then appearing conservative and like we have all these morals and like, you know, oh my gosh, like a sex toy company. And then, you know, or there'd be like, you know, women's health, like there's no need for that. She can just go see a doctor. Like, I don't know. It's just a whole, it's a weird, it's a weird situation in the U.S. It really but, is. Yeah. So, but I'm excited to see what happens next in these industries. And I was shocked when I read some of the statistics that said like how much the femtech and sex tech industries have grown and what they're anticipated, like in the billions and billions, they've grown by yeah. billions. Like, it's just amazing. And I'm like, wow, like this is such a cool industry to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, definitely a place, place to be. And I really hope that it's going to be more companies, um, centered maybe less on on fertility and and, and hormones although that's like such an important uh part of 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 women's life but you know there's also menopause there's also cardiovascular diseases that kind of women go through it a little bit different than men uh, there's like just you know endometriosis there's lots of lots of avenues um and don't even have to be health related per se i've heard about this one company i think it's actually in states uh which which does uh, which kind of gives uh credit cards to women and it kind of helps you boost mm. your credit score if you're a woman because um statistics show that you're like a bit less likely to have a good credit score when you're a woman maybe you earn a bit less maybe you can't get a house and stuff like that i mean you can't get a mortgage because of your credit score so mm -hmm. basically this this company is focused around boosting um credit scores uh, for women uh so yeah i think that's really cool so i think that's also a femtech um although it's not technically women's health so uh, I'm yeah definitely as well yeah definitely like the, you meet the feminist and technology you know when they you know get together i think especially women face the issues of taking on a lot of like caregiving burdens you know like you know mm -hmm. for one example children like you know like if the man decides yeah. to leave you know there's so many single mothers and that can be you know all the financial burden that comes with that and can affect your credit score and then i've lived through this personally if your credit score isn't good you cannot buy a home which means you have to pay usually double the price for an apartment or a rental home, which oh, doesn't gee. make sense to me because like for years, my family like rented homes and we paid double what we would get if we had a mortgage, but we still couldn't get a mortgage because our credit score wasn't good enough. Even though we but you proved, obviously can't afford it, right? <laughs> right. Even though we proved for years we could afford double. So it's just like, you know, it's a whole mess of a situation. And, you know, especially if you're a single mom, I think that's definitely a feminist issue, you know, or as people get older and they start to take care of their parents, you know, and that can affect their financial situation. So there's a lot of instances where, you know, women could use that extra boost and help building their credit. Kind of percent. Yeah. All right. So um, I only have like two more questions for you. So do you have any favorite books, podcasts, or YouTube channels, anybody you follow that like gives you information about the femtech industry or the sex tech industry? Um, yeah. So there's definitely a couple of groups I follow on LinkedIn. So there's um, Femtech Insider. 
Um, so they they have a bunch of different blogs and articles about femtech. They also have a femtech job board. I think they also have this thing when you can uh, introduce yourself to to their community if you're like a new founder or if you just you know um, I don't know just want to say hi uh, to to everyone <laughs> in the community. Um, there's women of wearables. Uh, wow. <laughs> yes, um, I'm a part of Wow. Yeah. I'm not officially a member, but I'm in the LinkedIn group. So. Um, so yeah, so they have like a, if, if you join their LinkedIn group, there's uh, lots of other people you can network with. They also have this, uh, this year, they have this free monthly webinar called Femtech Untapped, when they will talk about different kind of women's health uh, aspects, and they will introduce founders from Femtech companies within that um, that topic. So I think that next Wednesday, there's one about menopause, which I'm very excited about. Yes, I they, signed up for that yeah. too, to tune in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think that they have other events. There was one about the sex tech. I think this is the one that we actually met at. So, um, so yeah, so so it's uh, it's it's a very cool community. Um, there's also Femtech Focus, and they have a podcast which I really like, uh, Femtech Focus podcast. Uh, and uh, basically, the uh, I think the founder of the of, of the group she has interviews with different Femtech companies from all around the world, uh, with the founders, and uh, they give you like their own personal story. They talk about their uh, companies, but they all also say at the very end, which I love, they say, uh, what's the next kind of place or, or, or thing to innovate within uh, femtech so yeah. you know if you if you're looking to be a founder you can just kind of get some inspiration from from them uh, as well um and then uh, in terms of books uh so yeah I really recommend invisible women um then there's another one called sex matters uh, it's all about kind of women's health um, and and different biases or inequalities there. And then there's the new one I've just bought, but I haven't read it yet, but I think it's going to be nice. It's called um, Go Figure. Ooh. Sorry, uh, Go Figure, The Astonishing Science of the Female Body. And it was written by a previous uh, lead data scientist from Ava, which is also a, a femtech company. Um, I think that's don't exactly know what they do but I think it's something with like fertility tracking as well that is so cool I'm going to add that to my list so it's called go figure I'm going to write that down now <laughs> even though yeah. I am recording this okay go <laughs> figure <laughs> because I love ordering books and like doing annotations and you know just like checking out all the you know the information that I can so that's really cool yeah, so so the the author she was um one of the guests on the Fantech Focus podcast, so that's how I learned about it. But from what what she was saying about the book, like it seems very exciting. So, yeah, I'm definitely gonna start reading it soon. Yes, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna add that to my cart. All right. So, is there anything else we didn't talk about that you wanted to add into our chat today? Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think that we covered a lot. And yeah, it was a pleasure uh, as last time <laughs> to, to, <laughs> yes. to chat with you. And thank you very much for, you know, for having me on, on your on your podcast. Um, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, this was nice. And I think we talked about some things we didn't even talk about last time. So it was cool. We got a whole nother conversation in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So if people want to find you online, where can they find you? Uh, so currently I'm only on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's under Sandra Machon, M-A-C-H-O-N. Uh, and yeah, you can just uh, basically connect with me and then chat with me. Like, uh, you know, I'd love to hear about you and your story. And, you know, uh, so yeah, just feel feel free to to connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I'm going to stop the recording now. 
All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to my chat with Sandra. I love talking to her. She is just such a joy to chat with. And this was our second conversation. So hopefully we'll have more in the future from Sandra. If you would like to follow what I'm doing, you can visit my website at sextechtalk.com. You can also find me on all the social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Sex Tech Talk. And then you can also find us on LinkedIn. So if you're interested in having an interview with me, maybe you're part of the sex tech or femtech industries, you can send me an email at michelle at abroaddigital.com and I will put that email address in the show notes. I hope you all have a wonderful day and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.